Welcome to another PCT Podcast. I'm Brad Harbison, and I'm happy to be joined by Bill Colby, longtime technical and training director, who now works as an industry consultant. And Bill recently spoke as part of PCT's virtual rodent control event on the topic of rodent inspections. And in our podcast today, Bill is going to provide some rodent control tips and also share some of his experiences with rodent control. Bill, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Brad, and I appreciate the opportunity for uh, getting on the podcast last week and, uh, and following up today. Absolutely. We enjoyed having you. Um, Bill, for, for some of our uh, some of our readers and listeners who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how did you get into the pest control industry and, and what were some of the different roles you've had? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. Uh, and that question has come up many times over the years, especially when I've taught new hire classes and <clears throat> put on seminars to the industry. My hometown is actually Lewis, Delaware, which is a shore town uh, down in, in the, uh, the eastern shore of Delaware. And obviously, uh, growing up during the winter months, there wasn't much to do, so we uh, we basically hunted and trapped the salt marshes for muskrats. And then I remember one summer, my brother and I built a ping pong table in our garage, and um, we had always had carpenter bees in the garage. And I remember playing ping pong with a paddle in one hand and a tennis racket in the other. And it was really fun trying to fend off the carpenter bees and playing ping pong at the same time. You know, no one in the industry, Brad, really works up, wakes up one day and says, hey, I want to go into pest control or I want to be an exterminator. You kind of fall into this business, and that's really what happened to me. My defining moment was at the University of Delaware when then-manager Bruce Nelson of Western Pest Control came into one of our classes for career day, and he, he did a mock fumigation up in front of the class. And, um, you know, afterwards, uh, I, I actually helped him take materials out to, the car, to his car, and we started talking, and that summer of 1972, I worked with Western on a special field project and got one credit. Uh, and I was hooked, and that's how I got started in the industry. Um, and I started with, with Western in 75 and was uh, technical and training director and then went to BASF for a stint, back to Viking Pest Control, and now I'm in my consulting business. So uh, it's an industry I love, and, uh, you know, June of next year will be my 45th year. That's great. And, you know, Bill, like you said, 45 years, you've, you've seen a lot when it comes to rodent control. And, I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? How have you seen rodent control change, you know, maybe from when you first began to, to where it is today? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've seen major changes in the uh, the rodent management, um, you know, segment of our markets. You know, when I started, Brad, we had some pretty toxic products, uh, zinc phosphide, cyanogas, uh, some of the things that were, were pretty toxic. 1080 was around, but that was just so toxic, Western just didn't have it in our arsenal. You know, our standard back then was warfarin, uh, basically in a meal, uh, meal uh, seed mix, and we just placed it out in brand, brown plastic trays. Um, you know, residentially, commercially, it, there was, it was kind of, uh, you know, kind of a, a industry standard. Then rodenticide re- resistance to warfarin started showing up, and we had to change products and change paradigms. And back then, difastinon was becoming, you know, one of the actives of choice. Second-generation rodenticides were welcomed and, and worked great. Uh, and, you know, thankfully, they came along a little bit later on in the, the, the 80s. But as a hunter and a trapper, I still rely heavily on, on finding out where the rodents were, nesting, moving, uh, and relied on snap traps and to solve many of my more difficult rodent jobs. And all of the areas of professional pest management, I really consider rodent control my most challenging yet most rewarding, you know, business segment. So, you know, it's, it's, we've had some major changes, and we're going we're gonna to see more changes as we go into the future. And as you mentioned, when you're kind of uh, taking a look at your, your pest, pest control background, a lot of the work you've done has been in commercial settings, such as food processing facilities. Yeah, mostly 
mostly commercial were where the challenges were. Uh, yep. I've been involved with food food processing, uh, you know, uh, uh, pharmaceutical industry. But I will tell you, one of the most rewarding challenges I had, it was a commercial business, but it was an apartment complex. It was down in Newark, New Jersey. And, um, you know, one of the residents in one of the, the housing projects, the uh, rats uh, were in the apartment, and her baby actually had uh, a rat bite. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those rogue rats. And um, I made that my mission in life to take that rat out, and it took time uh, to get that rat out. And when I was all done, I was hooked. I was not going to leave pest control because I had solved a problem where, you know, baby was being bitten by by a rat. So, yeah. um, so it, it's 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 rewarding when you get those successes. Definitely. And uh, it's in terms of the the work you've done though in, in commercial settings, like the food processing facilities. I mean, take a look at that from the inspection standpoint. What are some overlooked areas in these facilities that the PMPs need to uh, pay extra attention to when inspecting? Yeah, the the main areas to me, Brad, in food processing are those areas that are often overlooked and the locked areas, the the secure areas, and again, depending on the you know the the level of security in food processing uh, facilities, which we're seeing a lot more, especially with with some some issues under the Food Safety Modernization Act, and those those areas that that the technician normally can't get to, locked areas, secured areas. Um, you know, sometimes computer areas where they have the mainframes and stuff like that. Those areas tend to get overlooked uh, above suspended ceilings if they have those in the food processing account. You don't see that in a lot of the, the actual, you know, if it's wet processing. But we see a lot office complexes in adjoining areas where they may have a quality control office. Technicians get in and they do the normal floor level stuff, but they stop looking, you know, they don't look overhead. And if there's one thing I could say to the industry out there is start looking up high, looking above drop ceilings, suspended ceilings, pipe chases, uh, even beneath slabs. I've seen mice, you know, that, that where uh, some, some retrofitting was done and they put pipes uh, down through the slab. I've seen mice actually live beneath the slab and burrow, so, you know, just, just kick soil up uh, and, and live under a, a slab in, in a food processing for a long, long time until they're found. Today's food processors really demand the highest quality, you know, and and control programs, but they really don't want rodenticide bait inside their food processing areas. Monitoring with glue boards, catch traps, and other devices is really our our primary inside control techniques. But they really got to sit down, and and when I sit down with a quality control manager, I I say to him, give me the the person, the employee who's been here the longest and knows all the nooks and crannies. That's the person I want to walk around with. You know, I may take a, a two, three, four hours of a day. I've taken technicians when we had an extra day um, at the end of the month that didn't have any work, and actually not let them go and do pest control. Just let them walk around with the maintenance man, the sanitation guys, and just become part of their of their business. And that's really, really key to customer retention and solving those rodent problems. And uh, Bill, I think uh, one of the more interesting parts of your presentation at the the rodent control event was um, kind of your examination of rodents' nighttime movement. And can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, how does having an understanding of rodents' nighttime movement help PMPs capture them? Yeah, the, 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 you know, the, the rodents will adapt. And, and if we're seeing rodents out during the daytime, we've got some significant issues. It's either overpopulation or they're being moved around from activities inside. But when things quiet down at night, <clears throat> 
<clears throat> that's really when, when our pest trends come out, the six-legged as well as the four-legged. And to me, that's a real critical time. And then, of course, you know, it's very tough to get a technician out and, and doing nighttime inspections. So, so some of the new technologies, you know, are really happening. And I've, over the past several years, we've been using trail cams quite a bit uh, to, to kind of hone in on where that last few rat or rat or rats, I call them rogue rats, uh, or mice are. And that's been very, very effective for our branch people to be able to go out, you know, our, our, our professional partners out there to go out and actually see what's going on out at night. Trail camera, cameras are fairly inexpensive. Uh, you can, they can be easily secured, and um, you know it's 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 something that I really think has has you know has helped us a lot. And I would encourage everyone to have at least one trail camera at their branch. Um, you know, so so capturing rodent movements at night is very, in my opinion, is very 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 important. And uh, another kind of new technology that was interesting that I, you brought up during the uh, rodent control event was Google Maps. Um, how can Google Maps be used by PMPs as a tool when they're devising a, a road management plan? Yeah, it's very, you know, I, I fell upon that, you know, several years ago. And Google, Google Maps is just an incredible, uh, you know, application. It's free download. Uh, you know, you just go to just search Google Maps and, and download it. And you just type in the address and Google Maps, you know, basically you start off with a little earth, picture of the earth, and it zooms right in. And you can go down to kind of a regional air level uh, pictures and Google is constantly updating, updating those. And then you can either zoom in and you can get down to street level. And depending on the, how close the camera got to a building, you can see, you know, you can see uh, you know, door sweeps that have been installed, you know, on a, on a door. Um, you know, I showed that, that example during the, the podcast. And it's just incredible, depending on how close the Google car gets to the buildings. But I use it a lot to get a, an overview. It's the first thing I really want to do. If I get called to an account or if it's an account I've had problems with, I want to see where that account sets. I want to see if there's a railroad track that goes by. I want to see adjoining properties. I want to see if there's any water areas, ponds, lakes, streams. And I can actually zoom down, and, and believe it or not, you can see dumpsters and where they're located, uh, and if they're located right up against the building or out, you know, out in the parking lot. And it is a great tool. And you can take screenshots from it when you go on, go in to put on training or presentation. Your account just goes like, wow. You know, they, they, they just, the wow factor is amazing that you took the time, you know, to develop and start off with a, over a global. I met, remember many, many years ago watching, uh, you know, experts like, like uh, Dr. Austin Freshman and Jeff Tucker talk about going into a, to a food processing account and just get up on a, a freezer and just sit there and just get an overview, get a high up overview, something different than what you've seen before. And Google Maps does that for you. Interesting. Uh, Bill, I want to go back to something you mentioned briefly, briefly before, and that's you know catching that last elusive rat. You, you also refer to it as the alpha rat. Um, what advice do you have here, and 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 you can give to, to to our listeners, and also maybe can you relate a past incident where you struggled to capture that alpha rat, and how you were able to ultimately get him? Yeah, the the I call them the alpha rats, rogue rats, um, and they, they truly are the last ones to to either react to the bait or react to the traps, and sometimes they might even go into to some of the traps, and they can be dear, very very difficult to get out of an account. Again, I want to emphasize the trail cameras because it can kind of help you hone in on where that animal is is interacting, where it's going for food, and of course rats need fresh water every day, so you want to kind of kind of get them going to those areas. Um, 
so so the rogue rats uh, are, are very very difficult. They take a lot of time. They take a lot of energy, and and you know you really you really are struggling to get this last alpha rat. Uh, and and I will tell you, you really have to think outside you know the box and 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 to drill down even more, you have to think outside the rodent's box. Box. You have to think like a rodent. You have to think like a rodent thinks. Um, and I, w- I remember the, the the warehouse situation, and and the bottom line was we had spent you know hundreds and hundreds of hours uh, in this one account. We just could not find out where this rogue rat was. And um, real quick, I I took a, an old wooden. Uh, ammo box that I had in the basement, cut two holes in it and turned it into a rodent station. It had a lock on it. Went to a pet store and got uh, some, some pet bedding from, from the, the pet store and that's all female rodents. So I said, this alpha rat's either male or female and it's going to be attracted to this box with those odors in it. And we got a, and since it was, this was a refrigerated warehouse, we got a, a reptile heater and the, the customer put an outlet in and we had this box. Uh, and it was amazing. I said, I've got this rat. And that rat ra- Rogue rat never went to that box, and it was very, very frustrating. So then our branch manager sees a commercial leaf blower on the side of the road for sale. He buys it uh, and then sits down with his his crew, and they basically uh, came up with a PVC pipe 10, 15 feet long with bird netting, kind of two or three layers of bird netting. And he was on one side of the pallets, and they were on the other side with the bird netting draped kind of loosely. And within an hour, they had caught the rat. And uh, I was joking with the, the account rep. I said, you know, this rat, according to Dr. Corgan, is only going to live six, eight months. It's going to die soon. <laughs> and uh, they didn't like that too much because, you know, we just couldn't catch this rat. And they were concerned about an FDA inspection. And there were no droppings, zero droppings, very little product damage because the, the the workers in the warehouse were basically just eating some stuff out of the boxes and throwing it, throwing it around. And we used everything on the traps. We used food that the that the workers were throwing around. Um, we used the opposites. We used avocado. Everything. And the rats would that rat would not go to any traps. And I put a lot of different traps in there. I just didn't. I used every snap and mechanical trap available. And uh, but after the, our manager caught this rat, it was unbelievable. We were heroes. They had a a party and the, the headquarters was in California, and they were they were very impressed. And we didn't have good customer cooperation there. The, they were having some rat issues over in California, and the manager of that location basically said, if you can't do the pest control with our doors open 24-7, we'll get rid of somebody else. And But yet screaming that, that rats were coming in to the, to the California location. So we basically were heroes, and, uh, you know, that account, uh, you know, does, is, has not had a rat problem since or rat, a rat uh, sighting since. And was that uh, was that in the day sort of before the trail cameras? And, and could you? Just, I know. What are your we, thoughts on that? How would that that technology have worked? Th- this this was this area was just so big, and quite frankly, we we did put a trail cam in, and it got uh, it got pilfered. Oh, okay. So we the 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 folks that were in the warehouse uh, were not uh, were not cooperating well. So we 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 couldn't afford to go out and buy another trail cam. So we we had to kind of resort to other things. But I got to tell you, that leaf blower that worked phenomenal. Uh, it was absolutely incredible. Um, would that work for mice? I don't know. Uh, certainly could try it, but uh, you know, mice tend to get up in the pallets, and this this rat was just loafing underneath of the pallets. Gotcha. Um, so the last thing I want to ask you about, and I th- again, this came from your presentation. You had some kind of interesting thoughts on environmental changes and how they road, how they how they might impact rodent activity in North America. Can you forecast ahead a little bit? I mean, what do you what do you see rodent control looking like maybe in the next twenty years? 
Yeah, uh, Brad, the industry really needs to pay attention to, to you know, to current issues and rodenticides. It's more important than ever to join National Pest Control Association, uh, Pest Management Association, the state associations, um, because rodenticides are being attacked in California. The, California wants to ban rodenticides because of, of uh, non-target uh, organisms. In my opinion, that would be disastrous to our industry. You know, so uh, you know, so everybody needs to pay attention with that, to that, and 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 make sure that that doesn't doesn't happen. Uh, and that's by supporting MPMA and the and the, the what they do, uh, you know, with with our associations and our membership. You know, in the future, we're going to see remote technology uh, that will impact both inspection and, in my opinion, control. You know, so so we have just recently been been you know the benefactors of of the Internet of Things, IoT, and remote control devices, uh, remote sensing devices, where some of them trap and kill the animal and sends off a signal. Other ones are just monitoring, and I think that is great. And we're going to see more and more of that. We've got quite a few companies that already have products on the shelf, so everybody needs to talk to your distributors, pay attention to. Uh, pest control technology magazine and and uh, you know look for the that technology to come and one thing that I predict and <clears throat> I remember sitting in seminars when I was young listening to to greats like Dr. Frischman and Jeff Tucker and Bobby Corrigan and I really think at some point we're going to see robotic robotic m- you know miniature robotic rodenticide not rodenticide rodent control you know, my vision sees a very small robot sitting in a, in a warehouse out of the way uh, with some sort of sound coming out of it that maybe mimics a female mouse or a rat, some sort of odor that comes out. The rat or the mouse comes up to it, and boom, all of a sudden the, the small robotic uh, rodent killer grabs it, takes it back to a safe area, wraps it up, and comes back and lays in wait. I think we're going to see that. The other thing that I that I, I think is we're going to see is, is help for the technicians. Uh, Google launched, and I don't know where they are with them now, but Google Goggles. And I think that's so cool. Imagine you, Brad. You got, hey, you know, you call Bill Colby, say, hey, Bill, I got a mouse in my house, you know, and you're out in Ohio and I'm here in Jersey. So, hey, Brad, go slip on the Google Goggles or whoever comes up with those. Let's, let's do an inspection. I can sit here in my office and walk you through an inspection and never have to leave. And I think that's something that we're going to see in the future as well. Um, you know, so so I really think the Internet of Things, the remote monitoring and control, uh, and this this what I I hope that we see in the future, um, you know, is is part of what the industry has at their disposal. Yeah, it's definitely there's there's so much interest in this this new technology, and uh, the manufacturers are uh, bringing a lot of great new products to to market. Uh, it's, it's really great to kind of observe how this market segment's been been changing in recent years, and, and how it's going to change in the years to come. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And uh, Bill, uh, before I let you go here, um, tell us a little bit about your consulting business and if, if you know where folks can get a hold of you. Well, first of all, Brad, I really appreciate you know all that Pest Control Magazine has done for me over the years, and I really look forward to a great partnership. And, and what I'm really doing is is you know I, I just get up every day, and I want at this point I want to I want to kind of give back. <clears throat> I've had 45 years of great uh, great industry experience. And, uh, you know, I'm in the industry, you know, now as consulting. My company's name is W.A. Colby Consulting, and I really want, want to help, you know, pay it forward. We've built a great foundation, and that's really what I'm looking to do here, um, you know, at, at my, my home here in New Jersey and, and help uh, our professional pest management pest management professionals out there, you know, just, just continue to build a great uh, foundation that, that this industry has built. All right. Well, uh, Bill, thanks again for joining me and, and sharing with our, our listeners some of your road control experiences. Okay. Thank you very much, Brad. Great. And I want to thank uh, PCT's listeners for joining us today, and have a great day.